At Gates, we are passionate about the Word of God. We hope the message you are about to listen to empowers you today. Well, this morning we are ending our series on righteousness. This is message number eight. If you haven't listened to these, I would really encourage you to go to our website or to our app and and listen to or download these. They're, they're free. There's no charge for these. Uh, listen to these words. Um, they're life-changing words because God's Word is life-changing. Amen? And what God gave me concerning this um, today in this final message, I want to I recap because if, um, if, if I was to give you a pop quiz on the first message I preached, you'd fail, because we don't remember those kind of things unless you've been listening to it like every day. You have to hear things over and over and over and over and over, continuously hear them to get them down inside of you, amen? And so today, um, I want to, I got, I got a, a couple things I'm, I'm going to add to this, but I want to recap what I've talked about and remind you of how vital it is that you know in your life that you are right with God no matter what. No matter what. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what the past has looked like. You are right with God. I want to give you the definition that I've shared. I've kind of, the the definition started in the beginning, first couple of messages, um, to one point, and then this definition has increased. But I want to give you this today concerning righteousness. It's to, to, be, to be right is to do what's right um, and to be right. Doing what is right or being right, but being innocent. And doing what you're doing from a place of innocence. That's a key word to righteousness. I am the righteousness of God, and because I'm right with God, I'm innocent. I don't care what I've done. I don't care what the past has held. Today, I'm innocent because of the blood of Jesus. And we've got to know that, and we have to remind ourselves of that every single day of our life. Because the devil works overtime to convince you that you're guilty. I'm guilty trying to convince you all the time that you're guilty. And guilty people transfer guilt to other people. Did you hear me? Guilty people are always trying to make sure that other people are guilty to make you feel better. But when you're innocent and you know it, man, you can love people. Man, you can give yourself to people. You can lay your life down for people. You can pray for people that you thought at different times in your life you'd never even want to pray for. And man, when you pray for people that have done you wrong and you have passion in praying for them, not praying your will on their life to change, but you speaking and praying God's will over their life, whoo, supernatural things happen. They happen. Everybody say, I'm innocent. You and I are innocent today. The rest of that definition is a heart, a righteous heart is a heart that is free of guilt, free of sin, free of shame, to the point 
it is never remembered. Gosh. It's all, that, that sounds, it's not almost, that sounds too good to be true. Most people cannot accept that definition right there. Because, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. Yeah, but you don't know about this, that, and the other. Doesn't matter. Blood of Jesus has covered. Well, but pastor, you, you, if, you, if you get easy on people and you let them think that it's okay to just act however they want, then you're giving them a license. No, no, they already have a, they're already doing whatever they want to do. I'm trying to help people to understand that when you know that you're innocent, then you can live an innocent life. You, can, you don't have to live a life continually screwing up and acting the same way you've always acted. You don't have to live like that. You can make changes. And when you know that you're innocent and God's not holding anything against you, He's not holding anything against you. There is no remembrance of anything you did yesterday. There's no remembrance. There's no record. None. And that just makes me think, well, He loves me so much. He's done that for me. Why would I want to keep acting like that? Why would I want to keep being ugly or doing whatever I'm doing or, or, or living a life of, of, of sin and, or, or the result of a life of sin consciousness? Why would I want to live like that? I don't want to live like that. And when you know that you're innocent because of what He did, not because of how good you are, then you'll, you'll want to live a good life. You'll want to live not just a good life, but a right life. A right life. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21, I want to read it in the New Living Translation. We've read this, been our foundational scripture that we've read every time. Um, in the New Living, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, For God made Christ, He made Him, who never sinned, to be the offering for my sin, for your sin, for our sin, so that, I'm going to put this in the first person, so that I could be made right with God through Christ, so that you could be made right with Christ. So He was made something He didn't deserve so that I would be made something I didn't deserve. <laughs> He didn't deserve that. He didn't do anything wrong. And he took it all on it. He was made my sin. He was made my sin. I don't even know what that actually means. He didn't just take it on himself. He was made it. And then I was made something that I don't deserve. Watch this in Scripture. Now, I'm telling you something. What I'm talking about today is pre-kinder. This isn't even first grade. This isn't even kindergarten. This is pre-kinder. This is elementary, dear Watson. This is, I mean, this is, you don't get this, and everything else you build 
you screwed up. You don't get this. Jesus was made this sin, and if he wasn't made that sin, then I'm not saved. You're not saved. You and I are not born. If you're born again today in the house, you're not really born again if he didn't do what he said here. But he did it because God cannot lie. He did it, and I'm saved, and i got to believe this to the extreme. Not just poking around in it. But i got to believe it to the extreme. He holds nothing against me. I'm innocent. I'm free. I, can, I have the freedom to be everything he created me to be in spite of me. <laughs> in spite of me. Can you say amen to that? But listen to me, and I've said this to you in the, in the series. The Passion of the Christ gave us a real good visual of what he endured physically, and I don't think it even came close. Isaiah said he was unrecognizable. We've got a picture, but it wasn't even close to that. You couldn't even, in, 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 in the Passion, you could see that it was Jim Caviezel here, and then you could tell it was still Jim, right? But the real Jesus, you couldn't tell it was him. That's how bad they tortured him and beat him. But he died another death. And it was a spiritual death. He was separated from God. He was separated. He he was the third part of the triune being. And he was separated from the other two parts. Went to hell and rose again. And led all those who were in captivity into a place of captivity of never again being exposed to the evils that we see in this life here. That's what he did for you and I. The death that he died physical wasn't even in comparison to the separation and the death that he died spiritually. Because he didn't die spiritually, then you and I aren't saved. Because my, my salvation, I don't know about you. No, I do know about you. You're my salvation is a spiritual salvation. Amen? We, we, when we got born again, we, we didn't get born again in our flesh. Your, your flesh gets born again when you're face to face with Him. Becomes a new flesh, a new you. Can you say amen? But my born again experience was a spiritual one. And He died that death so that I could be free. Today, I'm free, I'm innocent. How about you? Amen? We are free and we are innocent. 2 Corinthians 3 and 16, and I'm, and I'm, I'm just going to read the first part of the verse and the last part of the verse, okay? So put it up there and we'll, uh, what is it, 2 Corinthians three sixteen. <clears throat> or did I not give you that? 2 Corinthians 3, 16, I'm, I'm just going to read it, okay? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for instruction in righteousness. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable 
for it's profitable for you to be instructed in righteousness, understanding the righteousness of God, understanding that you're righteous with God. You're right with God. It's profitable for you to hear teaching like this. Can you say amen to that? It's profitable for you. So, in the light of what I said earlier, Jesus was made something that He didn't deserve so that I could be made something that I don't deserve, right? And I want to define it in Romans chapter 3. I want you to not define it. I want it to be clear that this is what He did. And I want this to be clear because in these two passages right here that I'm going to read, there's a lot of misunderstanding in the church about what these passages really say and what they mean. And, and you just read, you just heard me read that it's profitable for you to be taught this way. Everybody say profitable. I mean, you know, who in here doesn't want to profit? How many... How many profitable people do I have here today in the name of Jesus? Amen? We're profiting. Amen? So this will profit you in a supernatural way. So if any of this is in your vocabulary from today on, God wants you to get it out. Because isn't it amazing how something can be Scripture and you can take it wrong and you can go your whole lifetime thinking that what, because it's Scripture. That what the Scripture said was what the revelation wasn't. And you go your whole life with that. We don't want to live like that. So if you got this in your vocabulary or in your thinking, get it out. Get it out. Romans 3 and verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous. Everybody say none. What, what, what did 2 Corinthians 5.21 say? Jesus became something he didn't deserve so that I became something that I didn't deserve. So without him, this is a true statement, I'm not righteous. So I want you to look at the rest of these three verses that I'm going to read here. I want you to look at it like what I just, the the way I just defined it, okay? As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not even one of us. There is none who understands, there is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside, they have together become unprofitable. Did we just read that when you're instructed in righteousness, it's profitable? He said they've become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. People have built whole doctrines on those three verses right there and stopped in Scripture. The truth is, there's not a person sitting in here There's not a person sitting in any church in America or around the world today that is righteous apart from Him. So that's a true statement.
But thank God he said some other stuff. Amen? And we'll just fast forward to verse 21. Oh, I love, I, love, I just, whew, I get chills when I, I, I love these two words. But now. Oh, come on. But now. Amen? There's not one righteous. We know it. You hear me say it different times. When, if, if, I, if I prayed for Randy and there was something physically wrong with him and he was healed, if I prayed for him and he was healed, and I know that my prayers worked, it's still not because of me, it's because of what he did. Did you hear me? Yeah, I prayed, or we agreed, or I laid hands on him out of obedience from him to do it, but it's still him. Right? So, he didn't get well because of how, you know, trained I am in the Scripture and how well I went through the motions of something and how well I talked or said whatever I said. You can just say, you know, get well. If that's what he says. We don't have to preach a message for somebody to get healed when you're praying for them and laying hands. But when it happens... The glory doesn't come to me or to you. The glory is to God because without Him, everything that we do, nothing would happen without Him. That's what verses um, 10 through 12 are saying. There's not one righteous, not one. But now, the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. Because what he was talking about in 10 through 12 was that under the law. There's not one righteous. Nobody can measure up to the law. That's why all the sacrifices had to come in so that people could be forgiven for all of their mistakes. But he said, but being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The people that have taken that verse of Scripture and built doctrine out of that one, holy moly. The things that I have heard preached from that verse right there, shutting people down and giving them no hope for anything. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, so what the heck? Huh? We're going to get run over. We're going to get beat up. We're going to get this. God's going to do something bad to us. I, you know, I know I'm going to make another mistake by tomorrow afternoon. No hope. Without God in the world, you can have received Jesus and, and gotten born again, but like you have no hope in this world. We get to the other side, when we get over there, thank God for over there. But there's no resistance over there. Over here on this side, when there's resistance, He wants you and I believing in Him and believing that what Jesus did was more than enough. Not just enough, not just squeak it in, but it was more than enough. Every situation, no matter what we face or what, what, what we go through, He took care of the whole thing. 
He said, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. Your and my responsibility is to believe that what He did was enough. There's not one righteous But with Him, I receive what I didn't deserve. Wow! From Him, I receive what I didn't deserve because He allowed, He said, Father, if there be any other way in the garden, He said, any other way, let this cup pass from me. But not my will. Yours be done. The greatest ultimate act of submission the world has ever known Jesus' will and the Father's will in that moment were not the same. And Jesus said, not me, you. This is what you say has to happen? Then I'm going to take on myself what I didn't deserve. I'm going to take this all on me. I don't deserve it so that they can get what we have. So listen to me. How many believe that Jesus is forgiven? But I'm forgiven as much as he's forgiven. How many believe that Jesus is innocent? I'm as innocent as he is. How many know that the Father loves his Son? He said it in in the baptism with John. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. You know what? Me too. Me too. Man, I'm telling you, you've got to dig deep sometimes to get to the place where you know that you are loved by Him, you're accepted by Him, you're His favorite. He he doesn't look at you in your mistakes. He looks at you through what Jesus did and the choice He made. Did Jesus have the opportunity? Did He have the opportunity to say, Father, this is too tough? Yeah, He did. Some people say, no, no, he, He was the Son of... No, no, no. He didn't operate... He didn't operate as the Son of God when He made that choice. He was operating as the anointed Son of Man. That's what He came to be. So anything that He's able to overcome, you and I can overcome because He already overcame. So I don't care how intense the pressure can be mentally, physically, in any area of your I don't care how intense the pressure can be. He's already been there. He's already gone through it. He's already overcome. And every time you screw up, He already forgave you. Before you screwed up. Uh, man, that, 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 that's almost too good to be true. It is. It's too good to be true. It's too good to be true in the natural. Not in the spiritual. Not with, according to what God's Word says. But toward, concerning the natural mind, that's too good. Nah, it, can't be, it can't be that good, right? Because how much stuff out there, if it's easy and it looks good, it's probably dishonest, 
Huh? If you do it, you're probably going to jail. Right? I mean, I mean so, so people are thinking, nah, it can't be that good. No, it's that good and even better. It, it, it's that much and even that much more that he's died and paid the price for you and I. And he said that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. He's already justified. He's already made me righteous. The word justification means righteousness. He's already justified me and made me right so I can live that way all the time. And I don't have to judge other people and be angry at other people and be guilty and, and, and be guilty in my own life and then, and then you know, pass judgment and guilt on other, on other people's lives. Isn't it amazing when you can look at people like they're innocent even when you know they've screwed up? I don't, I don't want people looking at me as guilty. I've had to dig deep to get to the bottom of some things in my own heart and life through the years. I've had to dig deep that that's what you do. Matthew says, nobody knows, nobody has a clue how deep the darkness is that's inside of you. Nobody has any, any clue how much pride is inside of you. Oh, Pastor, how do you get there? You just start removing it. <laughs> There's layers of it. It's kind of like peeling an onion. Hmm? Pull that piece back and that piece back and that piece off and that piece off and this one. You just keep peeling them off. And you peel them off by being a doer of the Word. And you find out how much fear is in there, how much pride is in there, right? How much insecurity how much guilt is pressed down inside of there. You just keep getting rid of it, keep getting rid of it. I mean, you're not going anywhere, right? And when you pass over from this life to the next, you just keep going. There's just no resistance, but you're still going to have to get the stuff right. Don't think you're going to get to heaven and think, oh, now I can just relax. No, 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 you're, you're going to be busy. You're going to be really busy. So you might as well be busy doing this stuff now. So when you cross over, whenever your day, when, when, when the time comes where you know you're finished and it's time for you to cross over, you just step over and just keep going because you've been doing this stuff. But if you're not doing this stuff, you're going to be shocked when you get up there. Remember, this is pre-kinder. My faith is out. My faith is out that... When I cross over, when those, that day comes and I cross over, that I'm going to be at least in the first grade. <laughs> That's what I'm believing. I've, I've increased to the first grade. I don't want to step over and still be in pre-kinder. Okay, Bert, come over here. Now, you're forgiven. Probably won't talk like that. You're forgiven. I told you that over and over and over again. Why didn't you receive it? That's kind of the way he talks to me today. Why'd you allow that to go on right there? See, see, when God can talk to you, he can tell you anything about you, and you'll get rid of it. Yeah, but God, you don't know what so-and-so... You know, I mean, can God say shut up? I mean, I can hear him telling me, shut up. 
you don't think I don't know what went on there? You're blaming them for stuff that's not right with you. You're blaming them and looking at that person and, and, and you're bringing that mess to here. It, that, that, that don't fly here. So I don't know. We go into a quarantine thing or something, you know, or whatever, because we can't allow that kind of contamination in heaven. Get it right here. I said you're innocent and you're right with God. Amen. You don't deserve it. Settle that. But don't focus on that. Focus on the fact that I'm right because he said I'm right. I'm forgiven because he said I'm forgiven. I'm innocent and I'm empowered to do and accomplish whatever I need to accomplish because of what he did. So there's my focus. I mean, periodically you got to remind yourself, you know what? Okay, it's not about you. You see success, you see things happen, you see things manifest, you have to constantly remind yourself of that. It's not about me. It's not because of me. It's not how, because of the great faith that I operate in and live in and all this kind of stuff. Not because I'm a faith man, you know. I am a faith man. Faith man, faith woman, whoever we are today, we are those people. But it's not because of how strong I am, it's how great he is. And you just have to remind yourself. True humility brings you to that place. I want to read this. This is a side note. Uh, I want to read this verse to you. Ready for this? Three of you? Three of you? Okay. You, th- this helps me. I read this verse every day. I remind myself of this every day. This helps me to keep things in perspective. Okay? Proverbs 11.2 in the Passion Translation. When you act with presumption... Convinced that you're right? Don't be surprised if you fall flat on your face. But humility leads to wisdom. You humble yourself under His mighty hand. You keep yourself in perspective of who He is and who you are. Right? See, from God's perspective, here He is and here I am. That's His perspective. He loves me as much as he loves Jesus. But from my perspective, what can happen is, here's God, and through presumption, I can put myself up here. I mean, you know, that's about a dozen ugly words that you can't talk about in church, to think that. But that's what this life can do when we don't keep ourselves submitted under His mighty hand. Anyway, that was just free.
So, <clears throat> again, a reminder to you. You and, I are as, you and I are as right as Jesus is right. He's absolutely right, and we're right. And we are either free from all guilt and shame, or we're not. And that choice is not God's, He's already freed you, that choice is yours. And you have to choose to develop that every single day. Can you say amen to that? Hebrews 12 and verse 23. I'm just reminding you, we we talked pretty much in detail on this in one of our messages, but I want to remind you of these two verses in Hebrews 12, 23 and 24. To the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, who's the firstborn? Jesus is the firstborn, who are registered in heaven. (laughs) We're registered there. You got a mansion that's either being worked on or finished. I don't know. You know, they're either all finished or he's. They work on them, and and yours is coming up. You're born again. You're registered there. You have a mansion there. Bible says that. Can you say amen to that? To God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just or righteous men made perfect. The spirits of just and righteous men made perfect. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling His blood that speaks better things than that of the blood of Abel. What happened with Abel? Cain killed his brother Abel because Abel was favored by God. He was favored by God and favored by his father. He was an innocent man favored all right and it wasn't right that the death happened, but his blood spoke out. The blood of Jesus says today that you're innocent, and it speaks. Amen? The blood of Abel speaks because if you read the story of Cain and Abel, Cain did what he did. God came to him and said, he, 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 he leveled this punishment on him. Cain came back to, to God and said, yeah, but if people find out what I've done to my brother, they're going to kill me. And because of the blood of Abel, God spared the life of Cain. And God said, this would happen to anybody that threatened Cain's life. That blood still speaks today from an innocent man, but the blood of Jesus speaks today for you and I, an innocent man that was made sin so that sinful men and women could be made innocent. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. Apply that to your life every single day. And here, I'll end with this today. Well, I'll end with this and then I will just read one last verse. <clears throat> but 1 John 
chapter 1, and um, actually just, just jump down to verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. How much unrighteousness? How much? All unrighteousness? So that means there's no more unrighteousness that is applied to your or my life. If I live the life of admitting when I've screwed up, when I've messed up, when I've sinned, when, when, I, have, when I have disobeyed God, because what sin is, is just doing the opposite of what God would have you do. That's what sin is. But he said, uh, he's already forgiven us of all sin because Jesus was made our sin. So we're forgiven and all unrighteousness is already cleansed. But the cleansing effect for your soul on a day-to-day basis comes from you acknowledging the fact that you don't deserve this. I'm, I'm unrighteous without Him, but because of His blood, I'm righteous, and then walk in that righteousness. When, when you mess up, when you make mistakes, the tendency in mistakes is to hide. Or the tendency in mistakes is to blame other people for your mistakes. When you're hiding and you're blaming other people, you can't pray for nobody. You're not going to pray and believe God for anybody. So all you are is internal. You're all about yourself. And there's no righteousness really working in and through your life when you're just about you. So how do we get to this place? We confess our sins. And as I confess my sin, what I realize is He's faithful. And He's faithful to forgive me of anything that is not righteous. Because He's already forgiven me of everything that was unrighteous. So today, I'm free. You say, so I just have to confess. Yeah. You have to develop a relationship with God where you can go before God and say, you know what, Lord? The way I responded in that situation was not pleasing to you. I mean, most people just justify their responses. How people respond to you is a reflection of them. How you respond is a reflection of you. But people just justify their responses to people's ugliness because I have a right to do that. Not in the kingdom. Not if you have a relationship with God. Because he won't bring condemnation to you. The devil does. He'll bring conviction to you. And you've got to have a relationship with him where you can say, you know what, Lord, I don't know why I did that. I feel like I've done that repeatedly, and I keep doing that over and over again. Lord, I'm coming to you, and I'm asking you to forgive me for that. But I'm asking you to empower me to walk free from this attitude and, and these kind of things and show me how to overcome in this way. You've got to develop that type of a relationship with God. That's the way you repent. It's not just saying by, like some, in some legalistic way, okay, I, I repent, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But sorry without change is no good. 
God wants us to become repentive people that actually change. And this is how you do it. So, this passage here in 1 John 1, verses 5 through 9, good passage of Scripture to really meditate on how to walk free from unrighteousness, to, to walk cleansed from all unrighteousness that He's already paid for for you to be free. Say it again, I'm innocent. And so, today I leave you with this, these two verses found in Proverbs 4, and I'm reading it in the New Living Translation. Proverbs 4 and verse 18. The way of righteousness is like the first gleam of dawn. So, today, with every person here, this word is touching you either at dawn or in the noonday or somewhere in between or maybe in the late afternoon depending on how much you've done with what you've heard. Now hear me out. I'm leaving this with you. So, the way of righteousness is like the first gleam of dawn which shines ever brighter until the full light of day. Now, you know, the Bible says that the entrance of God's Word brings light and life. It's the Word that enlightens you. It's the Word that brings this enlightenment into your and my life brighter and brighter and brighter. As we hear the Word, listen to me, five things. As we hear the Word, as we meditate on the Word, as we learn to confess the Word, as we learn to pray the Word, and as we learn to do the Word. When I'm learning and developing it by, number one, hearing the Word, then this understanding of righteousness that is profiting me is getting brighter and brighter from the dawn until the full day. And I believe this analogy here is from the day you first heard about righteousness till the day it's over with here. And if you keep developing it, it gets brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. And then you step over, and it gets brighter and brighter and brighter. Can you say amen to that? That's the way this whole thing works. And he said, but the way of the wicked. Yeah, those wicked people. No, 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 no. That's not what he's talking about. <clears throat> no, no. No, 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 no. How can I say this correctly? There are some wicked Christians. Not you. But there are some wicked Christians. Ah, it's those sinners. No, no, no. That's not what you're talking about. No. 
The word there, wicked, is twisted. People who are twisted in their thinking, where if there's been a dawn of some teaching on righteousness, but they've done nothing with it, they're sitting right here. And they're living their life in this darkness and, and twisted thinking and wrong ways of thinking. They're born again, and they had, some, they had a, a dawn experience of understanding who they are in Christ and the righteousness of God, but it's gone nowhere. Look what it says. But the way of the wicked is like total darkness. They have no idea what they're stumbling over. Oh, man, do you see what happened? I guess God just didn't see fit to do that for me. I guess he was just teaching me something. No, twisted. Well, I guess this is no, twisted. See, always blaming, always looking, everybody else's fault, always the victim. We live in a society today, the climate out there, man, it's victim mentality. Not with God. And you don't even have to, you don't even have to be against the people that are appearing to be victimized. Just do the Word. Let the righteousness of God be revealed. Let it become alive on the inside of you so that the darkness is being dispelled all along. Look, look, look what it says. The way of the righteous is like first beam of dawn, which shines ever brighter until the full light. Right? If this room is totally dark and the lights get turned on, and by next Sunday, the whole room's going to be lit up. Everybody say amen to that. <clears throat> but if it's dark and you turn on two sections of lights, it gets brighter, but you turn all the lights on and it dispels the darkness. So the light of God's Word, the entrance of His Word brings light, and so the entrance of His Word brings light and it dispels the darkness. It dispels the twisted thinking. So now we start thinking like God. Now we start thinking and living and operating as the righteousness of God. I'm right with God. I'm innocent. And now, listen to me, when you're innocent and you know it, you're helping humanity. Because you're not walking around a victim. You're not walking around blaming other people. You're not walking around, you know, accusing everybody else and trying to be everybody else to be guilty like you're guilty. So you, the, the light gets off of you, you know, and all this kind of, no, 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 no. No, I'm, I'm walking it out. And listen, it's not, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. It's not easy. Not easy to live righteous and to have to take abuse from people that don't want to live that way. It, it, it's not an easy way to live, but it's a victorious way to live because it's the way God lives. And if we live like He lives, then we are allowing His anointing and His glory to be manifested in the earth through us. I'm telling you, as you live innocent, then you are being a blessing to humanity. But you walk around with the guilt, and you walk around with the blame and the accusations and all those kind of things. Twisted thinking. You're part of the wicked. I'm just telling you what he said. I don't want to live wicked. I've lived wicked. I've lived born again and wicked and twisted in my thinking. I'm not living that way. I'm learning every day. Getting greater with greater response in my life and the things that God wants me to do every day. I have 
you know, I, I, I've got friends that are my age and even younger that are retiring from ministry. And I keep thinking, I, I feel like I just got the vision for the next two decades. Good. You know? I mean, God lights your feet and then he lights your path. And man, it's like, wow. It's like the excitement. It's not, with, it's not without pressure. You, you understand? It's not without stuff to deal with. But it's like I see things in a way I've never seen before. Why would I want to retire? The best days are ahead. I mean, I'm not saying that when I say that I've got friends or whatever, they're hearing God and doing it in a different way or a different direction. But I'm just saying, this thing, when you get in the brightness of this thing, holy moly, we can, we can change this city. We can change this, the, we can change the government of this city if it needs to be changed. We can change the government of the state of Texas if it needs to be changed. We can change the government of the United States of America, but we can do it God's way because of the light. Man, that's you and I. And today, just close your eyes. Just just sit there. You don't even need to stand. I'm praying for you today. I pray for you every day, and I never miss. I don't miss praying for you because I'm praying that your minds, your spirit be enlightened to see and to hear and to know the things that God has for you. The testimony that we read earlier, there there are people everywhere that need the enlightenment. They need it. They need us. They need you. They need you to be enlightened. Like never before is this vital for the success of the future, just of humanity in general. Six billion plus people on the planet. And I declare, because God said He didn't desire that one perish, but all come to the saving knowledge and and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Look at me. My vision the vision that God's given my wife and I for this. It's not just this church because our church is so beyond who attends. Our influence goes way out there because that's the way the anointing works. But if you you and I, gosh, I just, I was going to tell you something, and it tried to leave my mind. But it ain't gonna. Hold on just a second. It's really important. Yes. The vision, see, somebody should have reminded me that I said the vision I have. I said that. Come on. Hold on. I'm getting there. First Timothy 2, 1 through 4. 
I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for who? All people. For kings and all those in authority, that we may live a peaceful and a quiet life in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, who? Our Savior. It pleases Jesus, who wants all people to be saved, number one, all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's the vision I have. All people saved, but on top of that, all people to come to the knowledge of the truth that they are the righteousness of God in Christ. Because if you don't get that, then you, in your soul, you live twisted. And you've got to understand that. That's not a, I'm not trying to be ugly with that because I've lived twisted. And there's twistings, you know, like you, those, those little things that go on a, on, a, on a loaf of bread, you know, a little twist tie and you twist it, you know. You've got to, unwind, in your soul, those things, these truths have to, or these ideas have to be unwound. Because if not, then you, you, you continue walking in the darkness and nobody knows how deep the darkness is. I had no clue when I got born again how much darkness I had shoved down on the inside of me. But the light. Every day, every day, every day. Now I'm praying for you. Father, I thank you today for each and every person in the house today that they, from today on, are living in a new realm of innocence than what they've ever, ever lived in before. A new realm. Each one of us living in a new realm of innocence and a new realm of understanding who we are in you and who you are to us. Like never before. Lord, I'm pressing in in my prayers for them for this, but from today on, they're receiving it and walking it out in a greater way than they ever have. I believe it. I stand in faith for it. And everybody said, amen and amen and amen. Whoo! Glory, 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 glory. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, we invite you to share it with someone in your life. We would love for you to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also download our app and stay connected to Gates and access to the Word of God anytime you need it. We are believing that the seed of today's Word is going deep in your heart and that you always remember God is more than enough in every situation of your life.